0: That's Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is the true story. True story. Seven strangers <laughs> picked to live in a lot.
1: This is the true story of one podcaster picked to live in an apartment and have his voice taped to find out what happens when he stops being polite and starts going heel. Scott Yeager gets the victory! One, two, three! He's won it! Oh yeah, baby. This is The Heel World. What is up, Maniacs? Scott here with The Heel World, my podcast dedicated solely to the world of professional wrestling. This podcast brought to you by Challenge Mania Live Pittsburgh. This show is coming to you from the brand-new City Winery in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania on Sunday, June the 25th. But tickets go on sale this week beginning tomorrow, April the 19th for diesel-level patrons, April 20th. That's right, 420, so make sure you uh, buy your tickets before you start celebrating RVD-style or Matt Riddle-style over at ChallengeManiacs.com. And then on the 21st, if there's any tickets left over, you can get tickets at live. We've already announced two guests, Susie Meister and Timmy Beggy for Challenge Mania Pittsburgh. Going to be a good time. That's what this podcast is brought to you by. What this podcast is about, as I'm sure you know, is pro wrestling, although... Our challenge mania episode this week was also, uh, very much so about professional wrestling. We're doing the challenge accepted show on May the 7th, Mark long in the main event against Matt Cardona, Derek and I will be there to back him up as will some other familiar faces from the world of the challenge. Very apropos for a show titled challenge accepted. We're co-promoting this bad boy along with Boca Raton championship wrestling. So a, a bucket list thing for me, a thrill for me, as I'm sure, you know, uh, and we're going to get into it. We're going to get uh, I'll talk a little bit about that because uh, Mark will come up a little bit, as will the guys from Boca Raton Championship Wrestling. Uh, Neil the heel, Matthew Mashler, because um, I did uh, run into them in L.A. for WrestleMania. WrestleMania feels like it was three years ago now, uh, but it was uh, the weekend of April 1st over in Los Angeles. We're now here on April 18th. So, um, I mean, look, I, I'll be honest. The reason I haven't done this podcast yet is I've been slacking. Um, But I think it it actually kind of works because after WrestleMania, you know, the wrestling world has a whole slew of podcasts that attack this stuff right away. Um, And the wrestling world changes and takes so many shapes on a a dime and on a week's notice that it's like, hey, having a little bit of separation from it um, can provide some context here. So. I collected questions on April 4th, um, and uh, I'm going to read those, and hopefully they still apply. But as I said, so much changes in the world of pro wrestling. Sorry, a little allergies today. Um, That I feel like some of these questions might be outdated. Some of these questions might have been answered by now, uh, but we will get to them. Uh, I am going to start off by kind of sharing my overall WrestleMania experience. Uh, I was there from Thursday uh, till Sunday night, Uh, saw wrestling from independent promotions, uh, saw wrestling from ring of honor, saw wrestling from NXT and saw two nights of WrestleMania, um, had a really cool WrestleMania experience. One that, you know, just full disclosure, few people, uh, ever get to have myself included. I've never had any sort of experience like this. I'll get into that a little bit. Uh, shouts to our friends at on location VIP, uh, on location experiences, um, on Location is a company that works with uh, sports brands, sports leagues, UFC, WWE, as well as bands, uh, you name it, massive bands, smaller bands, rock bands, indie bands, pop bands, et cetera. And they they help them put together added experiences in addition to just the show, just the concert, et cetera. So, you know, obviously, like many of us, myself included, you probably just bought a ticket to go to a show and sit in your seat and, and watch the the entertainment. And for a lot of people, that's all they can afford or all that they would even need or want. And and that's all fine and good. You know, that's 99.9% of the people in the stadium or in the venue are having that experience. But something you might not know is that the, the, there are added packages. If it is, say, your favorite band or if you really want to go all out uh, like a swaggy C and uh, Bailey wanted to do for this, um, there are added things you can do to Add to and build on your experience, uh, whether it be pre-show hospitality, early entry, uh, special merchandise, better seats, uh, or in the case of you know some artists and stuff like that who have the time, but also WWE who has this massive roster at their disposal, um, some sort of you know celebrity and, and talent interaction and things like that. So I'll get to all that when I get to WrestleMania. But I just wanted to shout out uh, on location who who very much do uh, just put together a really cool experience for for anyone who is lucky enough or, or financially able to purchase one of these experiences or, or someone is nice enough to invite you to one of them, like, like is, is what happened to me. So, um, Again, we'll get to that when I get to the two-night festivities at SoFi Stadium, but I flew into to Los Angeles on Thursday, uh got in early afternoon, um arrived in uh in uh at LAX and you know was waiting to deboard the plane and uh thought I heard a familiar voice behind me and I was correct. Uh sitting right behind me in the uh seat literally right behind me. Hold on. What's it? <coughs> Ooh, allergies. <coughs> oh, allergies. Mm. Oh gross. Sorry. I'm going to leave that in. Um was uh Brian Myers, who some of you guys know, Kurt Hawkins, uh but also very much widely known as Brian Myers co-host of the Major Wrestling Figure podcast with the aforementioned Matt Cardona. Um one of the best guys out there doing it on the indies and also for Impact Wrestling and other companies. Uh, Brian is someone I've been you know working with for the last couple of years, trying to uh, get a reality show off the ground about what Brian and Matt and Mark Sterling do with not just their podcast, but also with the figure lines they're developing, with the major bendies and and other things like that, and and just the fact that they are you know wrestlers obviously, but also toy lovers. They're they're passionate collectors, but they're also entrepreneurs, and they're really to me like they're they are the epitome of what our generation and when i say our generation i mean you know people in the you know i guess i guess you would call us millennials um but you know guys you know gals as well in their you know mid to late 30s who grew up loving wrestling but also kind of you know uh came to came of age in the early 2000s grew up with the attitude era but then you know we're, we're very much at the forefront of technology and social media and YouTube and things like that. And these guys use it better than anybody. And I've said this before on the show. And if you haven't seen the sizzle we made that we've been trying to shop, um, for a show that we kind of working titled, uh, life on the ropes, you can go to their YouTube, the major wrestling figure podcast, YouTube channel, and watch the, um, life on the ropes, or it says a, a major reality show or something is the title of the, of the video and check that out. Um, because it's really cool to see how the the business kind of intersects with their real lives, their home lives, and and their professional lives, and how they they when they were fired in April twenty twenty, um, these guys Matt and Brian they, they really did make the most of it, uh, which is a very inspiring story. Because whether you work in wrestling or not, people get fired every day, and it's like, what do you do? Like, I'll give you an example. Um, mm. And again, apologies for the uh, the allergies that also sound like I am uh, snorting a ton of cocaine doing that during this. I promise I'm not. Um, so in uh, November, 2017, I was let go from the production company I had worked at since August, 2015, I believe, or maybe 14, 2014. Yeah. I worked there from August, 2014. Um, pretty much full time through, uh, November, 2017. And I worked at this production company and I handled various projects and, um, TV shows, and ironically, so, the business was the most booming uh, when around the time I got my exit and the reason being is so i i for a very much a large part of the time was the kind of the on staff production manager. I would handle pretty much anything that came in, and for the most part, they were kind of smaller projects that I could kind of handle all of them and then uh, towards the end of the run, there there were a few big projects that had come in and, and one of them I was um handling the production management side of i started as the production manager i then became the line producer it was this show called give and the first season of give it was a show where it was a reality docuseries where every episode we took a celebrity we sent him into a couple charities uh we made the charities think they were there to just kind of do a tv segment but really they were there to evaluate them they would then just then go to a panel of investor slash um sort of i guess donors uh and they would decide which of the charities they were going to give a massive donation to, and then which one they would give a smaller donation to. But everybody got a donation of some size, and, and then they would go back and surprise the charities with a big check. It was a very feel-good show. It aired on uh, Saturday mornings around noon, something like that, on NBC. We did 26 episodes of the first season, and we actually won the Daytime Emmy for uh, Outstanding Children's and Family Programming. I was also, in addition to being the production manager line producer of the show, I also provided the voiceover narration for the show, which is very cool. It's the first time and only time I've ever done that uh, for a full-on series. Um, so I narrated every single episode of the show. If you've ever seen the show Give, that's my voice. This is Give, and I narrate the entire episode, and there's very much a lot of voiceover in the episodes. Uh, to bring a challenge tie-in, uh, Jamie Chung, um, not so much from her time on real world and the challenge, but because she is in fact a movie star now, she was one of the guest hosts of one of our episodes as was Sterling K Brown and Mark Teixeira. And we got a real, a lot of really cool names who did this show. Um, it was executive produced by Blair Underwood, who some of you guys might know from movies and shows like, uh, agents of shield and, uh, Jenna Bush Hager, who, you would know, from the today show. And of course she's the daughter of uh, former president, George W. Bush, um, And so really cool project. And I was very proud to have been at the helm of it and for it to kind of be my, my, project that I, you know, I did every call sheet and was at every local shoot and managed every single shoot and booked every crew member. And again, was the narrator of the show. And then, so we obviously got a second season, you would hope after winning an Emmy, um, which was supposed to be, I believe another 26 episodes or something like that. But seven episodes into that, the show uh, lost its funding and it was very much a heavily funded show because of all the money, not just that went into producing the show, but to giving money to the charities was kind of the function of the show. So you needed a lot of people putting money into the show to even... And make it happen as well as the show did. It was a kind of not for profit show. Um, so, uh, the show got canceled essentially seven episodes in. And when this show got canceled, unlike earlier on in my career at this company where I would have just moved on to the next project, uh, because the projects at that time were of a, of a larger size, I wasn't able to handle give and also the three other projects. They had line producers on staff to handle those. So when that show got canceled, it was kind of like, well, Scott's kind of expensive. We can't really afford to be just keeping him on to be nice anymore. And so they gave me my two weeks notice. That's around the time Derek swooped in and asked if I would want him to do a challenge podcast. So um, this is a very long-winded way of me, uh, of, of, of me saying – I relate personally to what do you do when, you know, the deck is stacked against you, when your life changes on a dime, when say an opportunity that you thought was going to be your life for the next two, three, four years, all of a sudden in the snap of a finger or, you know, in the in a puff of smoke goes away that's what happened to matt and brian with wwe and instead of you know sulking and sitting on their asses they i believe are more successful now either financially or even creatively especially than they even were in wwe when they were kind of hamstrung by the rules of being in wwe anyway long story short I know Brian, uh, I heard his voice to turn around. I'm like, dude, okay. So we end up chatting, we walk into baggage, baggage came together. We end up sharing an Uber to the hotels. He was at the WrestleCon hotel. I was staring, uh, staying nearby, um, because I'm a Marriott loyalist. So I decided to stay at the West end, but very much near the, the WrestleCon hotel, WrestleCon is this kind of fan convention uh, as well. Um and th- that I went to for one session, so I'll talk about that. So uh flew in um Ubered with uh Mr. Hawkins to the uh dropped him off at his hotel, got to my hotel, uh did a quick shower change, etc. And then I was due at four PM at the WrestleCon Super Show. Um something I had been to once before. Um it is it is very much kind of an all star indie show. Um And, uh, it was at the globe theater, which is really is now the current home of, uh, pro wrestling gorilla, PWG. Another thing on my kind of wrestling bucket list. I've never attended PWG, but I got to go and go to a show there. I walk in, I've got a front, I'm I'm at the show solo, by the way, um, I go, I walk in, and I have front-row seat. This place is small. So, like, front-row seat, and there's not a lot. At these shows, it's, I mean, if you've ever been to an indie show, it was crazy and cool but also kind of frightening. There is not a lot of security. There is not a lot of space between you and the ring, and especially for a show like this where there's a lot of high-flying action, like, they come right at you. They land right on you. You know, like, the chairs are getting knocked out of the way. Uh, there's not, like, a staff there to put them back. you got to do it yourself. <laughs> uh, so I walk in, and... um Immediately, I kind of walk in and right right by the foot of the ring is Ultimo dragon this this legend of uh w c w cruiserweight era wrestling from when I grew up and he's sitting there you know taking pictures and uh signing stuff and he's got his handler there and whatever so I go up and I buy a, a mask and have him sign it and uh took a picture with him because I, I at that point I know it's like, like you know here's here's what's funny about me and about the weekend and everything there's so much to do there's so much to see, but like I had just flown in and I was just ready to kind of take this weekend by storm. Would I have stopped if, say, the first time I saw Ultimo Dragon was at a table at WrestleCon in the midst of a thousand other wrestlers selling their gimmicks and taking photos? Probably not. But because I had just walked in, I was amped, probably had a couple bloody Marys in me at that point. Oh, I had a, I had a delightful lunch at Sugarfish. So I had a little bit of sake in me. Uh, and and I see Ultimo Dragon there, and I just very much wanted to just give money to a wrestler, especially a wrestler that I, you know, looked up to very much growing up, and I thought, you know, um, it was very cool to see this guy who I, you know, loved playing him in uh, video games like, you know, WCW Revenge and things like that. And, you know, he, he, uh, you know, it's to me, I think one of the pillars of wrestling, the way wrestling goes today. And and a lot of matches look like back in the nineties, not every match looked like that, but the matches with guys like Ray and Eddie and Jericho and, and, and Ultimo dragon did. So I think he's very much a trailblazer still looks great. Had a match that night that I saw, but so anyway, get my photo with Ultimo dragon, get my sign mask, whatever I sit back down. So first guy comes out, music hits, it's Mick Foley, Mick Foley. And now this is a very small space. So again, what was cool about my weekend is I obviously went to the biggest show possible at SoFi Stadium, close to 100,000, two nights in a row, and I went to the smallest kind of show possible in the Globe Theater. Mick Foley comes out, welcomes everybody. Cool to see him. He just kind of did a nice little cheap pop, welcome to WrestleCon, et cetera. Um... I don't have it in front of me, so I'll kind of run through the memorable stuff on the card. Ultimo Dragon wrestled Negro Casas again. Two very, like you know, very storied wrestlers from Mexico and Japan have wrestled all around the world. Chris Jericho did a nice little entrance video. That was a cool match. Again, get cool getting to see Ultimo Dragon. I'm not super familiar with Negro Casas, but it's clear. I mean, you look at the guy for, for the guy who looks like he might be in his sixties is, is really still doing it and doing it well. Um, but for me, I think that might be the first time I ever got to see Ultimo dragon. So cool to see that. Um, I believe speedball, Mike Bailey wrestled. I think that was my first or second time seeing him. He's a guy who's just all over the place, um, on the independent circuit, um, got to see a guy, uh, Oh man, now his name is escaping me. Uh, first name is Keith. Um, and it wears a cowboy hat. Uh he he was cool. Uh he was in a tag match with uh I believe Chris Daniels and they wrestled um they wrestled uh Tom Lawler and uh wait, no Tom Lawler was with Christopher Daniels and uh Keith, I think it's Brian Keith, rest uh, w- was uh teaming with uh was it who was he teaming with? Man, again, this is what's wrong with doing this podcast three weeks later. Anyway, that was a cool match to see, um, and and the most memorable ma- matches to me on this card were the the Luchador matches. There was a uh, a female Japanese uh, five on five tag that was interesting, but again. Um, since I didn't really know anybody, it didn't resonate with me. There were a couple of luchador matches, a three-on-three uh, tag match that was insane. Uh, his name escapes me, but there was this massive luchador who is huge. Like He's like the size of Braun Strowman, but he flips all over the place. That match was great. And then the main event was Vikingo, El Hijo de Vikingo, who's been just tearing up the wrestling world lately. He you know, had his match with Kenny Omega on AEW. He had a match the next day at Ring of Honor that I'll get to. He was in a three-way with a guy named Commander with a K and uh, Black Taurus. Um, they had a three-way that was just unreal. And again, I was in the front row. They're jumping all over the place. They're landing on me. They're landing on the people next to me. They're diving into the crowd. Uh, this match was really cool. This, If I had to rank, and I will, I, I, maybe I won't put them in order, but I'll kind of tell you what I thought the best matches that stood out to me, the most memorable matches of the weekend for me and they show up on all kinds of cards. This match, I think, was the one uh, from this card that really stood out to me. One of the best matches of the weekend. And obviously some of it was my proximity to it. But uh, it really felt special and cool and gave me a really good idea of like this, what this guy Vikingo could do. It was my first time seeing him. And ironically, I would see him and another member of this match, Commander, the next day at Ring of Honor, which I went to. And I'll get to that in a second. But... That was my day one, wrestling-wise. I went to this show, uh, then I had to skedaddle. I grabbed an Uber and went right to my party, uh, the uh, Challenge Mania Throwback Thursday party. Shouts to everyone who came to that. Um, It was cool. We had a lot of cast members in the house, some announced, some surprises. Really cool, just kind of mingling with about 75 to 100 maniacs uh, over at Mr. Furley's. Um, And that was a a cool way to start the weekend, get the Challenge Mania event in. As you know, I like to schedule these things around, stuff I like to go to. So as soon as I heard um, WrestleMania was gonna be in L.A., Uh, we have not done LA since I believe we did uh challenge mania at the Hollywood improv back in June, 20, uh, 19. Um, we did go to LA for Mark's birthday party at Michael Jack- Jackson's mansion, but that was, you know, not necessarily a fan event. Um, So this was the first Challenge Mania event in Los Angeles in quite some time, and uh, um, we did it because of WrestleMania. Next year, WrestleMania is in Philly, so I've already booked the Helium Comedy Club for Saturday. We'll do a Challenge Mania Live, a full-on Challenge Mania Live show, as we did this past February at Helium. That will be Saturday WrestleMania weekend for WrestleMania 40, so it's going to be really cool. Uh, Stay tuned for news on that. Uh, Not saying we won't get to Philly before then, but uh, that will definitely happen. Um, But So that was my Thursday. I've still got a Friday, I've still got a Saturday, I've still got a Sunday, going to break all that down. And again, I mean, I'm already 20 minutes in this podcast hello Scott Uh, I also want to talk about kind of the current state of wrestling uh, everything going on with rumors with CM Punk things like that so hopefully I'll be able to shoehorn that in next segment we'll finish out hopefully the, the Wrestlemania weekend and then we'll get to some of that other stuff in the third segment but first we got to hear from our sponsors here we go
0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: All right. So you would never know it in real time because you're listening to this podcast. You just heard a quick commercial break. Or if there was no sponsor for that break, you just heard a little under bed of music. And now I'm back. But, um... I'm actually coming to you about four hours later than I recorded part one. That reason being, uh, my lovely daughter woke up. Uh, she was napping when I started recording. She woke up. Mommy was out playing pickleball. And uh, yeah, to let you guys behind the curtain. I uh, I do this entire podcast from my apartment uh, here in New York City. Most of the time with either one or two kids, uh, if not in the house, at least adjacent to said house, apartment. And uh, yeah, so I'm often juggling Many things at once So um, I'm back now though Ready to break down The rest of my WrestleMania weekend Take some of your questions That came in like Right after WrestleMania weekend And uh, I haven't scanned them They might be outdated But I'm still going to try To get to as many as I can And then I want to Catch up with I mean Right after WrestleMania They announced that The WWE was essentially Merging with the UFC Under the Endeavor umbrella uh, Creating a new Stockholder company Under the ticker TKO I mean like That happened a couple days later Um Then it looked like Vince was going to be back for a little bit. He was there on Raw. Then he wasn't back. And that's not even including AEW. AEW announced that they're doing Wembley Stadium. I actually went to an AEW show shortly after WrestleMania. Anyway, we'll talk about all that probably in the last segment here. But so in my middle segment, I'm going to try my best to get through the rest of the WrestleMania weekend. So Friday, I woke up and uh, went to WrestleCon. WrestleCon is a convention in which pretty much everyone outside – of the WWE umbrella is there in one way, shape, or form, whether vendoring their own table or being vendored by someone else, or some of them have like private photo ops and things like that. And, you know, people have longer lines than others, but for the most part you can kind of just navigate around this sort of three-story uh, convention that's located in several different ballrooms at, in this case, a hotel, the Millennium Biltmore Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. And you can just bounce from table to table, And you can be buying and, you know, uh, buying wrestling merchandise and pictures and art and wrestling figures and things like that. You can be getting them signed by the people there. You can be getting photo ops. Uh, A lot of people have their own handlers who, uh, you'll pay the handler and then you'll go up to the wrestler. And some of these wrestlers, you literally pay them directly. Like, well, like when, when you go meet Matt Cardona at one of these, you're handing him 40 bucks and then taking a picture with him for 40 bucks. Um. And, uh, th- again, there, if you're a big wrestling fan and have been watching wrestling for years, there are wrestlers from the seventies, eighties, nineties, two thousands, and very current wrestlers today. I mean, this is where you're going to get the majority of your AEW ring of honor talent, things like that. I didn't stay too long. I went, I, I picked up this, uh, art piece that I had, um, this guy, uh, Nolanium. Um, let me get his full name here. Just give him a shout out. Um, he does a lot of artwork for WWE and AW and uh things like that. Um and I had him do a uh commission piece, uh Millennium. So his name is uh well it just says Nelanium, but I, you know he's got a first name in there. But um anyway, I had him do like a Penta art piece that I went and got signed by Penta. So uh I went and picked that up. I uh, went and said hi to Matt, Brian and Mark, uh, picked up a, uh, one of their major bendies, actually a loose Conrad Thompson bendy, um, you know, big Conrad guy modeled a lot of what I did with challenge mania after what Conrad had been doing with his podcast empire and continues to do. So wanted to own that figure that they uh, developed and created. So I got one of those, um, went around, did some perusing, shopping, etc. cetera, um, what did I grab? I grabbed like a couple little trinkets here, or there, picked up the R piece, as I said, um, you know, got the lay the land. I had with me a bunch of stuff that I would have maybe gotten signed by Ric Flair, but his line was like super long. Uh, Bret Hart had a long line. Um, and then for the most part, a lot of people is just like, you know, maybe a little short line or you, you walk right up. So I, I went, uh, and, uh, had a nice little meet and greet with the, uh, FTR, uh, spoke to them, um happily paid whatever their uh photo op price was um i think it was kind of a hefty i think it might have been 70 bucks or something like that um but i wanted to say hello introduce myself get the photo uh they i will say among like wrestling meet and greets and this and that they totally take their time with everyone they they did not feel rushed at all we had a nice little conversation i told them i was going to be at the show on wednesday that i would have a sign showed them the sign Um, You know, and, and we had a nice little chat and, and very cool guys, happy to support them. And that's the thing is like, look, I've met a ton of wrestlers in a ton of different contexts and a ton of different scenarios. Yes. The least, you know, sort of cool and, you know, hip way to meet someone is to like pay to meet them. But that's a lot of what these guys do for a living. You know what I mean? Like that? Yes. They wrestle for a living, but also in their off time and in their spare time. And additionally on weekends, they're doing conventions and things like that. And you know, what you want from them is a photo with them, or obviously you want something to get signed. Like, you know, I do understand that the idea of paying someone to get a photo with them, you know, feels a little cheap or weird, but I look, that is the commodity. That's what people want, you know? Um, and so for me it's like as much as I've, you know, met a bunch of these guys a million times or I've gotten the, the selfie at the wrestling show or I've seen him out at the bar or whatever it is, it's like when you're at a convention like this, I, I that's what they're there for. They're there they clock in at ten a.m., they leave at four, and while they're there, they're selling autographs, they're selling photo ops, whatever. So it's kind of rude to to go up and 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 and, and look, here's the thing is All these guys and gals, and uh, again, most of them have a handler who would do this. But look, if you go up and you just say hello, you want to shake the hand, you want to say something nice, like I did with Wardlow actually on the Friday, Uh, just went and said hello. You know, I had seen him on the cruise a few times and I had recently been at Revolution with a sign, so I just said hello. I exchanged, you know, but I wasn't, you know, and I didn't end up doing the photo op or whatever. I didn't need it and I didn't want it, but, but, you know, he's sitting there. He's not going to say, hey, you you know, you got to pay to talk to me for five seconds. But, you know, I do think if you have the wherewithal, like it, it, it is nice to support people if, if that's what you're there to do and whatnot. So, uh, paid, did the photo op, did the same thing with the Lucha brothers and, and Mark Briscoe was there too. Um, showed Penta the commissioned piece I had had done, had him sign that, uh, got my photo with them, um, show them the sign I was bringing to ring of honor later that night. Um, I've been on the sign kick lately. I don't know why, um. Uh, but so anyway, and then I got out of there and then I got out of WrestleCon. I basically walked out of there with what I did. I mean, and look, it's cool. I mean, it it's honestly cool to just do a walkthrough. Um uh, but again, there's people there from Ward uh, you know, uh Wardlow was there as well, but uh, you know, the um the warlord and barbarian and honky tonk man and Greg the Hammer Valentine, Rick Flair to, you know, uh the Steiner brothers, Kevin Nash, you know, Goldberg was there, John Moxley, Britt Baker, Adam Cole, you name it. pretty, pretty much anybody not currently signed to WWE was there. So, cool thing. Only spent about an hour there or so, and then got out of Dodge. Um, Also had on Friday, I went to this vintage pop-up thing run by Wrestling For Sale, who if you don't follow Wrestling For Sale, the number four, Wrestling For Sale on Instagram, he basically collects and curates like vintage wrestling merch, sells some of it, keeps a lot of it for his personal collection, but he's often posting it. And during WrestleMania weekends, SummerSlam weekends, things like that, he'll do these pop-ups where you can go and wait out a line and go and buy some of this stuff. Now, I must admit, this stuff is pretty expensive. You know, a lot of it's just way out of my price range. I would never even dare. Uh, and not to mention, I'm a bigger guy. A lot of it doesn't happen to be in my size and things like that. But uh, he was doing it in conjunction with the Cheap he podcast, and I wanted to support those guys that were doing it at this cool place that had a kick-ass burger. If you're, if you're ever in uh, Los Angeles, this place – Button Mash has a really great sort of Smash-style burger, uh, fantastic burger. I think I ate two of them while I was there. Um, so I went. I hung out there to kind of kill time in between WrestleCon and uh, WrestleCon and Ring of Honor and uh, hung out there, bought a couple things from Ted, bought a couple things from the vendors who do sort of reproduction or bootleg-style stuff. So I bought this, like, Dennis Rodman shirt, this Owen Hart hat. These are made. They're modern-day items. You know, some of them are are sort of – Items that never existed. Some of them are sort of recreations of items that did exist. Items that if they were the original would be worth hundreds of dollars, if not thousands. But, I mean, who needs that, right? Like, I don't need it. Like, I need the nod and the appreciation from the wrestling fans and the who see it. I don't necessarily need it to. I'm not as an elitist as some of these guys who need it to be the thing from 1992. And when you throw into me that, like, a lot of these things don't fit me that well that were made back then, I'm fine with buying a, a repro. But so I did actually buy a couple vintage items as well. A Hogan shirt, a Jesse Ventura shirt. Um, and then I stuck around uh, for Stack Guy Greg to show up. They were doing a little heat and greet, as they call it. Said hello to Greg. Uh, and I spent a lot of time because he was there the whole time with Brian Dipperstein, who is MJF's uh, agent, I believe. And he's also Peter Rosenberg's agent. Now he's very active on the GP podcast as well. He's always been a pop-in, but now he's like pretty much an every week guest. Um He's hilarious. Uh, so I showed him the sign that I was later bringing to, because, you know, if you listen to Cheap Heat, you know, it's like unofficially like the most Jewish wrestling podcast on the air, being that uh, both Dipperstein and Rosenberg, proud members of the tribe. They talk a lot of bagels. They talk a lot of Passover, things like that. So I showed him this sign that I had made uh, to represent MJF on the following week in Long Island. It was supposed to be MJF Day. also happened to be the first night of Passover. So I made this sign that said, Missing my Passover Seder to welcome the champ home or welcome home the champ or whatever it said. I showed it to him. He texted it to uh, MJF. So I'd had very high hopes that MJF was going to acknowledge the sign on Wednesday. Spoiler alert, it didn't happen. I went one for two as far as uh, the signs paying off, but So hung out there, good time, got some swag, then went to the Ring of Honor show, 4 p.m. start time because of this time difference, went there. And I'll admit, like, I will say, I mean, I go to a lot of AEW shows, I go to a lot of Ring of Honor shows. This was clearly like a stripped down crew um, to the point where what I noticed was, and I had a pretty good seat, but I noticed, like, the, the, the crew and, like, the sort of the tech team, the camera operators, they were stripped down to the point where, like they don't have enough camera guys to be like doing crowd shots and stuff like that. And like, and like maybe also ring of honor is just not known for that stuff. Uh, but so, you know, having this good seat, having this sign, I just felt like, you know, it, not like every show has to be about me getting on a camera, but that sort of seemed like it wasn't going to happen. It didn't happen. Another sad element was this great ladder match. I had been looking forward to the Lucha brothers end up winning the tag titles in this great ladder match. But during the ladder match, Dante Martin got injured pretty brutally. That was unfortunate. The opener, which was two of the three members of the three way I'd seen the night before the Kingo and uh, commander. Great match. Awesome match. Cool to see it on that stage. But I think the better version of it was the day before, um, I don't know if it was just a little looser, maybe the small venue felt a little, not that the Ring of Honor show was in a huge venue, but it was in the US, USC basketball arena. Um, the smaller venue and just maybe the, uh, just the added element of having Black Taurus in the match, whatever reason, I, f- I, I like that match a little better. Um, the Eddie Kingston and Claudio match was good. It was a solid main event. Uh, there was some other was stuff on the card. Shibata surprised, surprised, I think, everybody by winning the pure title over Wheeler Yuda. Um, and it was a good show. It was, it was a good show. It was a fun show. I'm glad I went. I sort of chose that over SmackDown. I don't think I would have necessarily loved SmackDown either, but um, the Ring of Honor show, I will say, as much as it delivered and it was solid, ah, something was missing from it. And 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 I don't know, may, maybe it was just overall that kind of WWE very much so owned this weekend uh, with, with WrestleMania and a, the experience I had at WrestleMania, but I think just all the buzz in the air and everything with Cody and Roman feeling so big and awesome and you know, and 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 maybe AEW and Ring of Honor aren't trying to compete with that. Maybe they're trying to kind of stay in their lane, which I think they very much did. But for somebody who goes to a lot of AEW shows, was very excited about the Ring of Honor show. I would say it was solid, but uh, I wasn't necessarily so thrilled that I went and, and carved out the portion of my weekend or my day. Uh, and I would say like the one match from it that I that I think really stood out was probably the Eddie Kingston and and uh, Claudio match. Uh, I did skip out a little bit early. As soon as they counted the three, I was out of there, so I missed kind of the post show pre- uh, stuff because I wanted to grab a new uber and i was so just i was so knocked out at that point i literally went um i think did i grab in and out burger that night i think i might have um and then i was out or or maybe i grabbed something else but i i went i was done i went home and went to bed um Woke up on Saturday, uh, Grayson Waller, who is, uh, one of the standouts in NXT currently good friend of Mark long, big challenge fan was on survivor, uh, Australia. I had sent him some swag a while back. He slid into my DMS about a week before and was like, Hey, are you going to be in LA? I think I saw you were, would you want to come to NXT? So he, uh, sent me some tickets. Um, I went to NXT. It started again, cause of the time difference at about nine 30 or 10 AM. Um, but I was able to walk there. It was at the, the former staple center, now crypto arena. Um, I got there a little early, so I, I was uh, going to check out the, uh, the store, the superstore, and the, uh, Superstore is sort of what used to be called Access. Now it's basically just a store. They do some stuff there, whatever. I'm walking by. There's a huge line to get in. I definitely did not have enough time to wait in that line. But guess who just swoops out of an Uber right as I'm walking up But the aforementioned Stack Guy Greg from the Cheap Heat podcast, who Cheap Heat, uh, which is part of The Ringer and part of Spotify, they're very much sort of in bed with WWE, and they've been doing live on the site, interviews with uh, WWE talent at the store, he was able to kind of get me in a side door. So I was able to go in, uh, peruse the store. I grabbed a a Cody shirt, the the sort of one that rips off uh, WrestleMania 7, the Hogan um, shirt with the American flag. Bought one of those. uh, Bought a tank top. uh, And I got out of there. Got into NXT. Watched NXT uh, all the way up through the Grayson Waller match. Another match I want to point out is like one of my standout matches of the weekend. And I'm not just saying this because Uh, Because Grayson Waller was nice enough to hook me up with tickets. Grayson Waller, I thought, and and Johnny Gargano had this amazing street fight. Um, Really great match, and that was one of the standout matches for me. I was not able to stick around. I, again, I was on a tight schedule. I had to go and check out of one hotel into another hotel. I'll explain that in a sec. But So I left shortly after the Grayson Waller match. But that match and the uh, five-way that had Dragon Lee's debut in it were two of the standouts from the weekend. And those were both NXT matches. So that was cool. I, I will say, I, going, being such a huge fan of the sort of original NXT... That for me began sort of shortly before, but was really cemented at the first NXT Brooklyn in 2015, which I was at. Uh, Everything from then on, basically kind of through the pandemic, I was such a huge fan of. And then I haven't been the biggest fan of NXT 2.0. This is my first sort of lengthy look at it, although I've followed from afar and I'm very much aware of everything that Grayson Waller has been doing and Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes and things like that. And I I get the cliff notes. Um, But to be at this show and to be at an arena and very much my NXT experiences live were mainly Barkley play center shows with great crowds and, and great matches. This did, I'm, I'm not going to say it was necessarily as good top to bottom as those or had the say sort of the same, I think crowd, you know, representation there. Cause I really think that those shows back in the 2015 to 19 era specifically were like the AEW crowd. That's where they were going. That's where we were going to get our fix for like sort of lengthier, awesome, like really great work rate matches under a WWE umbrella. And then that ship kind of sailed, and I'm not going to say it's fully back, but I will say there were some great matches on this card. The two I mentioned, and I heard the main event was very good too, and the female ladder match that opened it up was really good as well. Any of those matches would have been standouts on an AEW card or a Ring of Honor card or any sort of card that is known for being top-notch matches, which I know NXT used to be known for and hasn't been known for in a while. So um so, yeah, NXT was great. I then had to go walk back to the Weston downtown, checked out of there, grabbed my stuff, brought it to the Weston LAX. Reason being is that, you know, if you know LA, LA is very spaced out. <laughs> and although I will say the experience this weekend uh, in, in LA, I was dreading it because I famously, I do not rent cars anymore. Um, I just do Ubers all around when we do Challenge Manias when I travel because it's just, you know, it's cost efficient and you don't have to waste time parking. Of course, you don't have to worry about drinking and driving, things like that. But I was worried that L.A., a notoriously bad Uber town at times, um, that a weekend like this, having to get from point A to point B, sometimes very far, that I would end up spending $3,000 in Ubers. That wasn't the case. I mean, I I used a lot of Lyft and a lot of Uber, and I would say it was very cost efficient and – sorry, one second – I wouldn't say in any way it was, it was sort of, uh, that much worse than an average weekend, certainly there, if not in any city. So I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, But because everything's so spaced out, so my first couple days were very much the things I was going to between Ring of Honor, WrestleCon, et cetera, and and, and NXT, it turned out, uh, downtown LA. And then SoFi Stadium is in Englewood, which is much closer to the airport and kind of out in the middle of nowhere. But I was also planning on taking the red eye out on Sunday night after night two of Mania. So I wanted to be out there. I wanted to be out there. So I would have easy commutes to and from the uh, WrestleMania if need be. And also, if I had to leave my bags at the hotel, be able to grab them, make the red eye and and whatnot. So Marriott Loyalist, as I said. So Weston downtown, Weston Airport. But uh, yeah, went from one Weston to the other. The Uber guy picks me up, and he was very funny. He was like, uh, just making sure uh, you're going from the Weston to the Weston. And I'm like, yep. He's like, oh, did you come to the wrong Weston? I'm like, no. And I explained it to him. So went, dropped my stuff um and then headed over to SoFi Stadium to meet uh Ben and Paul who I was going to the show with um again uh Ben with uh you know was the was the one who kind of set up the the experience of the seats and everything like that and uh a challenge maniac hopefully he's hearing this this if he's not maybe someone will give him the message but uh shouts to him and uh, we go and and WrestleMania, when you do it the right way, when you do it this way, you go in two hours earlier and you have a pre-show hospitality area where there's like a buffet of food and it's open bar and this and that, which I thought was cool enough. Um, and then they also all of a sudden will bring out all these wrestlers. It brought out probably a dozen or maybe 10 wrestlers. Uh, the first day, I'll try to remember everybody, but the first day it was um, – Kurt Angle, Bianca Belair, uh, Asuka, um, uh oh God, uh, Raquel Rodriguez, um, Liv Morgan, um, hmm, uh, uh, oh man, oh man, Dexter Loomis. Um, and they were all just kind of, again, like sort of if you've ever been to Challenge Mania meet and greet, just kind of meeting and greeting and whatnot. <laughs> um, then. Um, Mark Long showed up with the BRCW crew. They have, and, and we told, we told some of this story on the, uh, the challenge mania podcast this week. They had like the better package where they flat out, like walked them down to the ring to take photos next to the ring. They were nice enough to bring me with them. So that's how I got that photo op. Um, Then ran into a few other people in the pre-show hospitality on day one, including Swaggy and Bailey. I knew Swaggy was going to be there, and I knew he probably was going to be doing it in style, which I was right. Um, So he was there. They walked in. We said hello to them, took some photos. They flew in all the way from Puerto Rico to go to the show. So if you guys don't know, Swaggy C, huge wrestling fan. Uh, He's I mean, he almost tweets more about wrestling than anything other than maybe finances and things like that. But he is a huge wrestling fan. Um, and then ironically, WWE is coming to Puerto Rico next month, so I think they're going to that too. Um, and also saw uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., you guys might know Ice Cube's son, who's an actor, who's, if you know from Den of Thieves and straight out of Compton, a huge wrestling fan as well, he was there, it was cool to meet him and so, yeah, we just kind of hung out, ate the food, whatever, met the wrestlers. I actually missed Bianca Belair. Didn't even know she was there until I found out the next day. Uh, cause I went down with Mark and co to take the photos at the ring. And by the time we got back upstairs, all the wrestlers were there. And, and I guess she had kind of been already ushered in and out. Um, And so then we went up to our box, we were in a box, which like, look, you know, at at one of these things, I always say like box is bittersweet because like you get the food, you get the whole thing and whatnot, but they're high up. But for something like this, where the stage is so impressive, um, it was kind of cool to be high up and like having already gone to a couple shows where I was close to the action, I didn't mind it. It was awesome. And what I didn't even know was going to happen was they literally halfway through the show. I think it was during, uh. So it was night one. They did it, I believe, during Seth Rollins and Logan Paul. All of a sudden, they walk into our box with Liv Morgan. Um, So it was Liv Morgan, Rick Boogs. um, Liv Morgan, Rick Boogs. um, Who else? Liv Morgan, Rick Boogs, um, Baron Corbin, Jimmy Hart, um, and who else was it? Oh, it was um, – her name escapes me. Sorry. Another female wrestler. Uh, and they just come in our box and hang out in our box for, like, pretty much, like, the whole match uh, and just hanging out and uh, took pictures with everyone who was in the box and things like that. The box also, when you entered, in addition to obviously having food, open bar, et cetera, had, um, like, a stack of the programs, which I think if you buy them downstairs are, like, 40 bucks, 50 bucks, and a stack of WrestleMania hats. Um, and so night one, I would say there was – I mean, I thought night one was one of the best single day WrestleMania's uh, even alone on on I've ever seen. Um, I thought that Logan Paul and Seth Rollins was great. I thought the opener with John Cena and uh, and uh, Austin Theory served its purpose. I thought I thought the tag match I thought overachieved that four way tag match. I love some of the spots in that Um and then, you know, we get into the last two matches, which we decided to actually, we had seats down below as well. We went down below, not like fully onto the floor, but like right above, I think like kind of the front floor section to watch the Rhea Ripley and Charlotte match. It was aces, fantastic women's match. And then the tag team title match between, um, between your, your, uh, your Usos and your, um, and, uh, Sami Zayn. Sorry. One second, <coughs> Oh man, I'm sorry, guys. This is terrible. Apologize, um, Uso's and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens was was one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen on WrestleMania. and It was the main event, and it was it was really cool to be down there for that and feel the energy. And I made the joke that between uh, between Becky Lynch's music uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, Sami Zayn's especially is like I believe WrestleMania's here was probably like the biggest ska concert ever on record. But really great match. I think everybody saw it coming, but I thought the sort of you know the ending of the Uso's reign and and kind of the in a way being able to give Sami Zayn his WrestleMania moment even if it wasn't with a singles title win was really cool and it felt good to be down on the floor. We did obviously uh we we, we felt it on the back end because it, it took a while to try to find a car out of there which we did and eventually got out of there in an Uber um we had to like, you know, pay the guy cash or whatever. And, uh, we ended up going to the WWE hotel, hanging out, uh, with some people at the bar. That's where, uh, Mark and co were staying, um, as well as Grayson Waller and the Spotify crew, things like that. Uh, so we're hanging out at the bar alongside Ric Flair and Bret Hart, Booker T and, uh, Hurricane Helms. And, uh, who was Stephen Amell was there from heels and, um, LA night was there and uh, it was cool. And you know, you're just hanging out and drinking. You're trying not to bother people. I, 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 uh, the, the one person I, uh, bothered, uh, not bothered. Cause I think we used the bathroom at the same time and we came out and, uh, I said something nice. This is Bret Hart. Uh, I'm a huge Bret Hart fan. He's been my guy since I was a kid. I think he's the best in-ring performer of all time. I know it's him or Shawn Michaels, obviously. It's a point of contention, but I've always been a Bret guy. and So I said some nice words to him. I wasn't going to bother him for a picture, and then someone stopped us and asked if I would take a picture of them. So I was like, all right, fine. And then I was like, you know what? Can I get one too? So I got one. um, And it was the best picture there ever was and the best picture there ever will be. Um, But so uh, hung out there for a little bit. And then, again, day caught up with me. Finally went back to the hotel, clonked out. The next morning, uh, I'm going to try to bang through this because I got to get to the break. I'll come back do the questions and the other stuff. But uh, came back the next day, had some brunch with some local friends, um, and then went and uh, back to WrestleMania night two. Night two, same deal. Pre-show hospitality. They rolled out a ton of wrestlers beforehand, including the new tag champs with their belts, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Um, who else was there? Elias, uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Um, uh, Bronson Reed, who else was there? Uh, Braun Strowman, Rick Boogs again. Um, so it was really cool. Again, they kind of hung out. And then, uh, during the show, they brought to our box, Dominic Mysterio, who the night before had this banger with his dad, uh, and Rhea Ripley, who had had the other banger against, uh, against Charlotte. They came up with, uh, I believe, um, who did they come up with? Uh, man, um, uh, they came up with someone else. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm losing it. Um, but so, and and night two, I think, I mean, being, I was wearing a Dusty road shirt. I thought it was leading to and was going to all, be all about Cody dethroning Roman Reigns. And I, like everyone, was soured by the fact that that's not what we got, that that we got Roman continuing his reign, that it happened by way of a shoddy finish, uh, Solo Sokoa, who had been ejected already coming back. <sighs> I'm going to save this for segment three, but um, night two was fun. It was great. It was, again, amazing hospitality, amazing uh, just experience um, to have experienced WrestleMania this way. We stayed in the box the whole time this night, um, and then uh, Ben was nice enough to give me a ride to the airport, made it with flying colors, got there, was able to check my bags, hang out in the Delta Lounge for a little bit, get on my red eye, which left at 11.59, uh, and I was back at home the next morning by 8, 8 a.m., so um Funny how time works, but uh, the whole weekend was great. WrestleMania was great. I mean, uh, it's hard to be at an event like that and not think, man, I mean, wrestling is, to me, I mean, SoFi Stadium, this brand new, gorgeous stadium, it's amazing, and just the the bells and whistles and the just not an empty seat in the house. And they took over Los Angeles for an entire weekend. The amount of merch that it looked like they sold at that superstar unreal. So made perfect sense to wake up on Monday to see that they had, you know, essentially been kind of sold, half sold merged with an evaluation of, of uh, $9 billion. I mean, don't let anybody tell you. I mean, people who don't like wrestling you try to make you feel bad about watching wrestling, want want you to think that, you know, you're less than or that it's stupid or it's not high profile entertainment. I mean, there are few industries and there are few properties that could do what the WWE did in Los Angeles a couple weeks ago. I'll tell you that much. And you know, to have the seat I had for it, it really puts it into context because you can see this entire stadium, not an empty seat in the stadium, and the amount of production value and just top-notch from start to finish, every single person in that building, the people behind the scenes, the people who are putting together the VIP experiences like on location, things like that, man, it is is it top-notch, and it's a form of entertainment. It's an experience. That is not like, oh, a bunch of you know truckers down south going to a carnival, like what people might think of wrestling. It's not like that. It is top-notch, okay? Um, it is premier entertainment. And yes, is it scripted fighting? Sure. But it is a high-class presentation of scripted fighting okay all right i'm gonna take another break i'm gonna hopefully blow my nose and do all that other stuff so i don't continue to sound like a weirdo Uh, and i'm gonna come back i'm gonna take some of your questions that came in shortly after wrestlemania week and then i'm gonna talk about some of the new developments since then in the world of wrestling All right, so hopefully you haven't tuned out due to all the name-dropping and humble-bragging and things like that about my WrestleMania time that weekend. But uh, it was good stuff. If you want to see some photos uh, attached to the weekend, go to my Instagram, at Scott of Yeager. I think I posted some of them. Uh, John says, with Vince in charge and his booking, do you think many of the AEW and indie talents will be eager to sign with WWE? It seemed like when Triple H was in charge, there was more interest in signing to WWE. Um, Well, again, this came in a while ago, and it looked like maybe Vince was in charge that following Monday. Now it looks maybe not so much. So what I'll say is, I don't know. And again, AEW now seems like it's moving in a di- certain direction as well. So I'd say it's not as cut and dry. I'd say it's person specific, right? Like I'm sure there's people, Rusev might be one of them, who knows, who are probably now maybe a little bit disenchanted with having gone to AEW and having having had it not live up to what they maybe had thought it would be, grass is greener and all that. Um, but then you probably have people who feel just fine. And a, a guy like Keith Lee, who's probably loving it and, and doesn't want to go back or whatever. You know? So I'd say it's probably person specific and you'll probably have the door swinging both ways. I wouldn't be shocked to see someone like a Ricky Starks or an MJF go to WWE someday. I wouldn't be shocked to see somebody from WWE want to go to not just, not just a W but new Japan or somewhere else like that. If, if they're getting disenchanted over there. So, um, I think wrestling is just in a really great spot. And I think that, yeah, we were, we were a little bit scared after that, uh, Monday after WrestleMania that Vince was going to have more of his stamp on things. And I think that's cooled a little bit, although, although it does seem like he is more involved than we thought he'd be six months ago. So that is kind of scary as is his mustache. So, uh, Jennifer Robar says, did you see what happened with Shano? Did you like how Snoop Dogg and Miz Improvised? Yeah. I mean, really sucks to see anybody go down with an injury. Um, and, you know, it sucks to see a guy like Shane who isn't even really making wrestling part of his daily routine these days go down with an injury that's probably going to suck for him. Um, but I thought uh, Snoop Dogg and everybody who was involved in kind of calling that audible did a great job of, uh, of, you know, fixing it and making the most of it. Meredith says, great pick of you and Sami Zayn. I adore him and I'm so happy for him and Kevin. Would you lo- would like to hear your thoughts on the Endeavor UFC WWE merger? What impact do you think this will have on wrestling in the future? Um, okay, so I'll stop there. Truth be told, I don't know. Um, Some of the scarier changes, I think, that could come of this are it's possible that, like UFC has done uh, with sort of their ESPN deal and whatnot, I wouldn't be shocked if maybe some of the bigger WWE events did come with a price tag maybe in future years like maybe yes there was still a peacock deal and a streaming deal but maybe also on top of that you had to pay to get WrestleMania or SummerSlam or Royal Rumble I don't know just a thought um I will also say for people who care about this sort of thing um you know I, I think WWE does a good I, like does a better uh A better job of sort of hiding their politics than uh, UFC does. So I think kind of merging there. I mean, you saw it like, and look, I'm not trying to get political, whatever, who cares? But I'm just saying like UFC two weeks ago, front row at UFC, who do you got sitting there? Donald Trump, Kid Rock, Dana White, and Mike Tyson. And it's like, I don't think WWE would do that. UFC obviously is doing that. Now they're technically the same company. Um, And I'm not saying I'm someone who needs to be rubbed the wrong way to the point of contention about stuff like that and whatever. Am I I boycotting the UFC over that? No, but I'm saying that is stuff that alienates certain people. Um, Would I be shocked to see um, some, some more seamless transitions from talent to talent going from one to the other. No, that could be cool for some or be awkward for others. Like, you know, would a guy like Bobby Lashley get a nice little, uh, one-off in the UFC because of what's happening now that that could work. You know, he's got an AM, MMA past. Um, and, and would maybe a guy like Brock Lesnar be able to kind of seamlessly get one, get one more for him on the UFC end if he wanted would a guy like Conor McGregor be able to do uh, WrestleMania easier than, than he could before this? Maybe as well. Those are sort of the things that come to mind. Um, I think there are also probably like a dozen other ways that we can't even predict, but that we will see over the next few years. Um, but again, I just think that, you know, I don't know that the two company, I I think a lot of the changes are going to be more behind-the-scenes kind of things, obviously consolidating certain positions. You know, you got to feel like certain people are probably going to lose their jobs. They might not be people we know by name now, but, you know, talent-wise, who knows? I mean, they have, you know, supposedly been on a hiring freeze up until this, so you wonder. I mean, UFC is notoriously um, kind of ruthless with the way it pays its fighters and and whatnot. And WWE, I don't think has necessarily the same luxury because there's obviously competition out there now, but as far as like how many people they roster and stuff like that, they might get a little leaner and meaner. Who knows? Um, Meredith also says, I personally wanted to see almost win. And I think he's got potential to be the next big superstar. um, I disagree. I'm glad he lost. And I, I, I like, even though I don't like that he lost, I, I like what they're doing with Brock and Cody. So I'm I'm actually really glad I almost lost. And I I disagree about him being the next big thing. Thoughts on the Hell of a Cell match? Yeah, this was great. Uh, I agree with you. But Balor got really hurt. So I think that's why that wasn't maybe as good as people had thought. Um, Meredith says she's a big Balor fan. Yeah, I'm the biggest Balor fan in the biz. Love me some Finn Balor. Um She says, finally, could you hear the ref and Miz during the People's Elbow? We could hear it clearly and hear Miz say, now pin me. Still thought it was great and all the professionalism of Miz to keep going. Everyone did a fantastic job. I mean, I couldn't, I was in a box. So you you guys on pay-per-view probably heard it. I didn't see this at all or to that. I mean, I was live. So uh, that's what's interesting about wrestling is like you you get such a different perspective watching it on TV. Uh, But yeah, I mean, look, that was in the moment thing. and, and, And the gift of the curse of it is that, yeah, they called it on the spot. You were able to hear him say that, but Also, here you are writing into a podcast, commending them for them being able to make the most out of a bad situation. So we all kind of know wrestling is that kind of thing. So um, it's not like anyone found out wrestling was fake uh, with that moment, you know? Mike says, how did Mark Long get tickets right front of the hard camera for Raw Ha Ha? Real question. How do you keep Co- – okay, so that is was answered on the Challenge Mania podcast this week. So if you want the lengthy answer, go there. But Mark uh, gets these tickets because Matthew Mashler and Neil the Heel, who run BRCW, are nice enough to bring him with them. And they are the ones who uh, procure these tickets. Um, and they pay for them. So, um, Real question. How do you keep Cody as a hot baby face after losing to Roman? Do they go right to a rematch right away, or does he work his way through the bloodline back to Rome? and is there another path? Uh, well, as we know now, he's going against Brock first i Here's where I'll put this answer is like I just what people Paul Heyman, a lot of people are saying is, is that if Cody wins right out the gate, where does he have to go from there? I strongly disagree because here's my thing. I mean, to talk about the stage, right? So literally the stage the setup of the stage there was so cool. And just like, you know, just the visual of this sold out SoFi stadium. You very, you have only a few opportunities every year to have a visual like that. And yeah, they're starting to do SummerSlams and Royal rumbles and stadiums as well. That's fine. But you only get one WrestleMania moment a year. Right. And so to me, what I'll say is like, so what are they going to do? Hold off. And the next year again is Cody versus Roman. Then it'll feel just, I mean, to me, I don't think it'll feel bigger then. I think it'll feel less than, then it'll feel almost more academic. Then it'll feel more. Well, duh, this has to happen now. You know, I think him winning this Sunday WrestleMania where there was a chance he didn't win and look a good chance. Cause he didn't win, uh, would have been bigger. And, and that little level level of doubt made it more exciting. I, I just, I just disagree. I, I think he should have taken it down. Um, but to answer your question, what do they do? You know, you have them go through Brock somehow, some way. Uh, yeah, you probably have them go through a version of The Bloodline, your solo Sokoa, whatever. And then I don't know how long they delay it, but eventually you got to get back to Cody and Roman. And does that happen at SummerSlam? I mean, to me, if it happens at SummerSlam, was did it really pay off to have him... Beat him at SummerSlam instead of WrestleMania? Does the 1,000-day uh, mark really mean anything for Roman? I don't think so. I don't know, man. It's not just because I'm a Cody Homer. And I've noticed a lot of people who are pro-Roman keeping the belt are just like Roman fans. And I know a lot of people who are were pro-Cody winning the belt are Cody fans, myself included. But I honestly do think it would have been what's best for, for wrestling and for WWE, too. I wholeheartedly believe that. I might be wearing Cody-colored color, glasses, but... Uh, Sarah says, "Did you see George Kittle and the Miz?" I did not see either of them that weekend. No. Um, John Heddle says, "Thoughts on Logan Paul's trajectory in WWE." That's a good one. Um, so I think he's been great so far. I think he has to eventually win one, right? Like right now, he's basically—I guess he won a tag, or maybe he beat the Miz. Yeah, I think he beat the Miz, right? Um, but like you know, he's so he's getting all these high-profile matches. He wrestled Roman Reigns in Saudi Arabia. He's wrestled Seth Rollins. He can't beat these guys, right? Uh, but eventually he's got to start beating some guys. So and, and I do think, I think you have him be a heel for a while. I think eventually just based on how good he is, he'll he'll turn into a natural babyface. I do. Uh, and then you could give him like a legit run. I I think so. Um, um, but he's in a weird spot because he's got to be in kind of all these matches where either you put him in someone where it feels less than, put him with someone where it feels less than, and he can win. Which like the Miz was good because like the Miz is kind of gimmicky and he's kind of this big star, but also he can lose at any time um and you kind of got to find another one of those people to go against him you know what i mean whether it's you know is it austin theory you know is it uh do you, you do him in ricochet maybe um but he's got to start winning some matches he just resigned so it looks like he can be on the path to winning some matches but he's such a big star you feel like they don't want to waste him on guys like the ones i just named you know they want to put him against seth Rollins. They want to put him against uh roman reigns put him in the biggest high profile matches but then he kind of has to lose them all So that's what's interesting there. But I think he's great. I mean, he's one of the most natural in-ring talents I've ever seen, uh, just with the short career he's had. Um, so, uh, since then we've got more clarity about what we're going to see for backlash or kind of, I guess, giving Roman a, a night off, we're going to have a six man, Matt Riddle is back. I'm a big Matt Riddle fan. Matt Riddle is going to be doing a six man with Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against the bloodline. So we're kind of just dragging that out a little more. You got some uh, stuff going on with the new LWO and Rey Mysterio and bag bunny doing some stuff with Dominic and the judgment day. That's kind of cool. This kind of feels like an off month pay-per-view and that's fine. Now we know Brock Lesnar and Cody Rhodes. That'll be interesting to book what's it what's cool there is like Cody's move to the crossroads. He can totally give to Brock, which I think is nice. Um, and I could see Brock putting over Cody. Um, but I just, again, I, it's kind of a wait and see thing. And obviously we'll have to wait and see, but you know, I'm waiting and I want to see what happens, uh, to validate Cody, not getting that moment. Cause man, the non roof or whatever is on top of SoFi stadium would have been blown off the place if Cody had won. And, I know selfishly I wanted to be there for it and whatnot, but even if I wasn't, even if I was just at home, I think they, they missed that opportunity. Um, so AEW's had a lot of things go on. So I went to AEW on the Wednesday after. Boy, who timing was off with that. My wife even said, Really, you're going to a wrestling show two days after you got home from a weekend of wrestling, really? And I was like, Look, sweetie, I didn't plan it this way. And uh, yeah, she was right because I did not need that other night of wrestling. And you know, we had great seats and Uh, You know, this is the third show they've done on Long Island. I think I've been to all three of them so far. This, I think, was the most underwhelming one. Um, I expected more from the MJF stuff. The singing segment was cool, but what was really awesome is the first time what's cool is like MJF is a babyface in Long Island he's a heel obviously everywhere else and the first night he was like full on babyface dove into the crowd this and that this one it was more about the segment of it and again selfishly being in the crowd with this Passover sign I kind of wanted more of that the sort of more involving Long Island in the crowd than what we got and it ended up being sort of about this big band segment And they're going in this direction of MJF versus the other three pillars of AEW which are Darby, Sammy and Jungle Boy and while I respect that booking in a way, Uh, dragging it out over the course of two or three months and now making it the main event of Double or Nothing, I don't know. I think that's a little much. So uh, not my favorite angle in in AEW right now. Um, We got to see uh, FTR win the tag titles, which was cool. I had that sign, win or lose. Thank you, FTR. I knew they were staying, let's be honest. But um, you know, they saw the sign. They came over uh, at the end of the match. Dax came, put the tag belt on me, which is cool um there's graffiti not graffiti i always say graffiti confetti everywhere um it was a solid show did i need to go all the way out to you know bethel new york or wherever bedford wherever it is no i did not (laughs) um and so i think i'm a little wrestling doubt for now live wrestling doubt you know i still that the like i'm like i'm like i'm on on autopilot i see something in the email comes in this show this show and i just want to get tickets but I, i just think i need to take a break i don't know how long but who knows um So other things in AEW, it looks like we're getting a new AEW show potentially on Saturday nights. It's possible CM Punk is coming back. It's possible CM Punk will be heavily and mainly featured on this one Saturday show so they can keep them separate from the other guys in the roster who don't like them and they'll be on the Wednesday show. Now, (laughs) you know what's interesting? You know, this feels very weird and feels very gross. But in a way, it's, like, actually, like, a realistic brand split, right? Like, the brand split in WWE always felt so contrived and, like, do we really care about Team Raw versus Team SmackDown? But if, like, this is actually happening, like, kind of will be a Team Dynamite and, a Team Collision or whatever. Um, They also announced they're doing Wembley Stadium, which they did. They announced this while I was in the arena in Long Island, on Long Island. And uh, I shot my pants because they announced it for being the week before uh, all out i've had the you know Rose Monzaini's on hold for a year we're trying to make that Chicago show a yearly tradition, but look selfishly and transparently i 'm trying to make it a tradition so I can go to all out every year and they announced all in the week before at Wembley Stadium, and so I thought, oh well i 'm toast then they 're not doing all out now. It sounds like they're doing that and all out the next week. I have no idea how this is going to shake out. Rumors are all in might not be a pay per view Either way, two big shows back-to-back, kind of weird. I'm interested to see how it shakes out, but um, we're still going full steam with our show. So I'm hoping that karma pays off and if, I just, if you build it, they will come type of thing. I haven't gotten 100% certainty that All Out still happening, but I've heard rumors it is. So I'm marching full steam ahead. Full week, First week of May, we are putting tickets on sale. You know, starting, I think, May 3rd, diesel-level presale. March, uh, May 4th, all-patron pre-sale. Cinco de Mayo, May 5th, will be the uh, general on-sale. Rosemont uh we're bringing Durrell, Olivia, and Tyler. It's a little Easter egg reward for you guys who listen to the entire episode of The Heal World this week. Those are our guests for Chicago. Um, and we're doing it, whether all out's there or not. So let's hope that they're there. Knock wood. And if they're not, hey, guess what? We're still doing it, so... All good. All right, everybody. Hopefully, you guys like this lengthy heel world, and uh, I'll try to do these more, you know, frequently. I know I just I, I, there was so much wrestling in my life for those few days. I just needed to whew, decompress a little bit. We'll be back, of course, at uh, Challenge Accepted on May 7th and uh, we'd love you to come check that out so if you're listening to this and you like wrestling come down to Boca, watch some wrestling be a part of wrestling with me, Derek Mark Long, some surprise challenge guests available, uh, info available at challengemaniacs.com right, everybody, have a great week have a great weekend, enjoy Raw, enjoy Smackdown enjoy AEW, Dynamite, Rampage and maybe Collision, whatever you want and uh, thanks for uh, humoring me listening to my wrestling podcast Peace everybody
0: Scott Yeager sucked And he's a complete piece of shit. The Challenge Mania shop is open. Head over to challengemania.shop today for the best way to support the podcast while looking good doing it. New designs and items added every few weeks. Maniacs, time to mobilize. Check out challengemania.shop today.